at a used car. It was, it was a used car, but it was still a really expensive used car. And he said, I've always wanted one just like that. So he goes to see this used car, and, and the fact of the matter is there's, there's lots wrong with it. When you start the engine up, it throws out a big cloud of blue smoke, and uh, the transmission seems to slip when it's supposed to be shifting, and, and there's a, a bad miss in the engine. It kind of shudders as it runs, and, and there's some noises in there. I mean, there's several different kinds of noises in this car that it puts off. And the guy says, I'm buying this car. I'm buying this car. I've always wanted a car like this. And his friends tell him, no, don't buy that car. That's not a good car. You don't want to spend your money for that car. Don't buy that car. His friends give him good advice. In fact, one of his friends is even a mechanic. And his mechanic friend is emphatic. Don't be buying that car. That's a bad car. And the guy says, listen, I got a feeling about this car. I got a feeling about this. This is, this is the right car. This is a good car. This is the car for me. I feel like I should buy it. I'm going to buy that car. Now, what about a situation like that? Well, all of us would just shout out, no, don't buy that car. That's crazy. That's, that's illogical. This is not going to turn out well. You don't want to just follow your feelings about buying a car. You want to, you want to buy a car based upon some some real facts, something that's substantial and meaningful. Don't trust your feelings when you're buying a car. You're bound to make a big mistake. All right. Now, that I think the scenario that I just painted would not happen. People would not go against all sound advice and buy a car just trusting their feelings. People wouldn't do that. But let me tell you a different scenario. Here's a different story. This story is about religion. And two guys are discussing religion. And one of them proves to the other fella that what he has been doing, what his religious practice has been, his whole understanding of things from the Scripture is mistaken. He, this guy gives the other man book, chapter, and verse reasoning to prove that what he's saying is right and what the other man's been doing is wrong and he needs to change. And yet that first guy says... I wouldn't trade the feeling I have right here in my heart for all the Bibles you could stack in this building. That is just as crazy, just as illogic, just as illogical, and will certainly not turn out well. Yet in this case, that happens all the time. A fellow wouldn't trust his feelings to buy a car. He would listen to good advice of people telling him it's the wrong thing to do. He wouldn't trust his feelings about a car, but he'll trust his feelings about the most valuable thing he has, his eternal soul, and it happens all the time. My guess is if we went around the room this morning, there'd be several of you who, like me, have heard people say this very thing. I would not trade my feelings for a whole stack of Bibles, they say. Have you had people tell you that? We want to talk about that in our lesson this morning and prove that's just absolutely the wrong approach to making decisions religiously. Trusting our feelings won't work. Before we get further into that, I'd just stop here for a minute to add words of welcome to those that have already been extended by Yancey and others. We are so blessed. A beautiful day in Middle Tennessee. Couldn't hardly wish for a better day than today. And of course, it's made all the better by the fact that we're able to be together to worship God, to honor and glorify Him, but also to encourage and edify one another. 
we're glad that you're here to be a part of it. We have visitors with us today, and we're always glad for visitors. We want you to come back every time you have a chance to be here. Thanks to everybody for being with us today. Let's talk about this idea of trusting our feelings in religion. The problem, of course, is that feelings can be deceptive. We can be deceived by our feelings. Let me give you a, a case in point. Jesus made a prediction in John chapter 16, verse 2. Jesus said, They shall put you out of the synagogue, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And so Jesus said, a time, he's talking to his disciples, and he, and he tells them, uh, the time is coming when, when you're going to be persecuted, and you will even be put to death. But he said, notice, he says, the people who kill you will think that they're doing God a service. Their feelings will be good. They'll think that they're doing the right thing. Now, I think there were probably lots of examples of that taking place, but one that we know full well is the case of the Apostle Paul. Saul of Tarsus. He did that very thing. In the reading that Josh read for us earlier, notice he said, I thought verily with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, so uh, he did that. He thought it's what he's supposed to do. He says, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice... Uh, in the version that Josh was reading, and many newer translations says he gave his vote. He testified against them maybe, but he also voted to put them to death. When they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them off in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Notice, I thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus. Now, Jesus said, people are going to do that. They're going to put you to death. They're going to think they're doing a service for God. And Saul of Tarsus was an example of that very thing coming past. But don't you think that he had good feelings about that? That his feelings were very good. He, he says, I thought this is what I was supposed to be doing. And I would submit to you that surely he felt very good about that. His feelings were just great. When he was retelling his past life in Galatians chapter 1, verse 14, he said, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my, uh, my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral tradition. He said, I was moving up. I was moving up the ranks in the Jewish religion. i got to tell you, I, I think that his feelings were great and wonderful through all of that until he saw the Lord on the road to Damascus. i got to believe that Saul of Tarsus was feeling pretty good about that. And so he's an example that your feelings could be deceived. Back to him for just a minute. If trust in your feelings is okay, then I submit to you that Saul of Tarsus could have just trusted his feelings and gone right on persecuting Christians. If feelings are all that matters, if you'd have gone to Saul of Tarsus and said, Saul, this is wrong, what are you doing wrong? No, he said, I gotta tell you, I feel good in my heart. I wouldn't trade the feelings I have in my heart for a whole stack of Bibles. Well, he'd been wrong, right? Jesus said in Matthew 7, as he, as he foretold the last day, He said, many will say to me, the Matthew 7, verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. These people in that 
judgment day scene would have good feelings, but they would be lost. And so our first point is a very obvious one. I think we all have known it, and we've tried to encourage people to accept this reality. The simple reality is you can't trust your feelings on something as... You wouldn't do it about a car. If you wouldn't do it about a car, you just wouldn't... You, it's just almost mindless to think that you could trust your feelings about your eternal soul. Actually, we should never trade the assurances that are in the Bible for even the most wonderful feelings of the heart. Can we make that point again? The, the guy says, I wouldn't trade my feelings for a whole stack of Bibles. When actually just the opposite ought to be said. I wouldn't trade what's in my Bible for some subjective feeling of the heart that could be so easily deceived. That's what you ought to be saying. There's no way I wouldn't trade what's in the Bible. I wouldn't trade the truths and the assurances and the comfort that's in the Word of God for some feeling that comes and goes in my heart. That's what we are. You don't hear people saying that much, but that's the way it ought to be, right? The fact of the matter is that the truths contained in the Bible contain the promises of God. In Second Peter chapter 1, beginning verse 3, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us, notice, exceeding great and precious promises. God has provided us with exceeding great and precious promises. Think of all the valuable things that you might imagine. Uh, you, you could think about money. You could think about all kinds of material possessions. You could talk about all the pleasures the world may have to offer. And not any of those even hold a candle in value to what God promises through His Son, Jesus Christ. Through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, God has extended to those who will accept that sacrificial gift through obedience to the gospel, God has extended great, exceeding great and precious promises, more valuable than anything that we could ever imagine. And so, the fellow who says, I wouldn't trade my feelings for Bibles, should say the other. I wouldn't trade my Bible for, for any subjective feeling, right? Because what's in the Bible are the promises of God. Now, promising is one thing, following through is another. You know, I might, if, if I promised you this morning that I would give you a million dollars tomorrow, I could make that promise. You can say anything, right? Of course, the big problem that with that would be I'd be lying right through my teeth because I couldn't give you a million dollars if my life depended upon it. And so I could make the promise that I'd be lying to say I'm going to give you a million dollars. It'd just be a lie. But in the case of God, who has extended to us exceeding great and precious promises, this promise, these promises come from a God who cannot lie. Hebrews 6, verse 18 says simply, it is impossible for God to lie. And so he promised it, and he can't lie. Well, back to me again. Let's go back to the million dollars. I'll give you a million dollars tomorrow. And I really mean it. I'm not purposefully lying. I really mean it. I'm not just trying to deceive you. I'll give you a million dollars tomorrow. Well, even if I was really truthful in my heart, the fact of the matter is still is that I'm not able. Even if I'm sincere and genuine in making the promise, not intentionally lying, the problem is I'm not able to do that. 
But in the case of God who promises and cannot lie, He is fully capable of fulfilling the promises which He extends. In Romans chapter 4, beginning verse 20, it talks about Abraham. It says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. The promise there was that he would have a child in his old age. If you look at the context of of Paul's argument there in Romans chapter 4, it was the promise that when he and Sarah were well past childbearing age, God promised they would have a son. And when God made that promise, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That was how Abraham felt about it. If God promised it, it will happen because God's able to do anything that he desires to do. And so our conclusion then is, The first approach is totally wrong to trust your feelings. Feelings come, go, change. You just can't trust your feelings. Feelings can be deceived. You can be wrong. What you should say is, I would never trade the assurance that's in the Bible, even for the most wonderful feelings I might have, because the assurances in the Bible are promises from God who cannot lie and is able to fulfill them. Let's take this just a little bit further before we conclude. I'd like to also suggest that there's some other things you shouldn't trust. Things that may contribute to those feelings we were talking about earlier, these deceptive feelings. Sometimes those deceptive feelings are because we put our trust not in the Word of God, but in other people. For instance, my preacher told me that this is okay. My preacher told me that this would work. Uh, My preacher said that this is right. And, and I just feel that my preacher wouldn't tell me anything wrong. I just feel that I can trust my preacher. Well, there's a problem with that, right? Again, feelings can be deceived. The preacher could be deceived. In fact, he might be wrong. It doesn't mean that he would necessarily intentionally be wrong, but you've got you've to gotta verify what he says. You can't trust without checking that out. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Do you see it? Um, Here Jesus is describing the fact that some would intentionally mislead people, like wolves among the sheep. And there are plenty of those kind of false teachers out there in the world who will intentionally mislead people. They may get their emotions all hyped up. Their feelings may be very good based upon what the preacher says. The fact of the matter is this preacher is being purposefully deceptive. John offered the warning in 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Intentional or not, there are many false prophets gone out into the world, false teachers. And so we must verify what they say. We should not trust it without verification. And so, you know, sometimes the feelings that people have are based upon the fact they haven't really checked out what the preacher said. And they trusted the preacher and they got a good feeling based upon what he said. And their feelings were wrong. Speaking of feelings, what about our family? What about our parents? I hope for all of us here this morning we could honestly say we really value our families. We We are thankful for good families, specifically 
uh, we're thankful for our parents that raised us to know about God and to, to love Him and, and to want to do His will. But I tell you, even parents, even family could be wrong. And if my feelings, if my confidence towards salvation is based on what my parents did or taught me versus what the Bible says, then i got to rethink that as well. Jesus knew that families would even be divided because of the things that he taught and demanded. In Matthew chapter 10, beginning verse 34, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. Jesus said, there's going to be problems within families based upon what I'm teaching. Notice. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. If it comes down to that, as I'm considering what my parents taught me and I'm comparing it to the Word of God because that's the only true thing for sure, right? And I found that even my parents, and I don't think they would do that intentionally, but if my parents taught me wrong, I've got to go with the truth of God. I can't trust my... I just love my mom. I just love my dad. I just my my grandmother was the sweetest woman you ever met in your whole life. She wouldn't tell me wrong. Well, she might. You know, she might. I don't think it would be intentional, but she might. And I can't I can't base my eternal soul's salvation upon what my parents taught me without checking that out. Because if I'm just trusting my feelings that my parents wouldn't have been wrong, then I'm trusting a feeling that could lead me astray. Finally, let me suggest even if an angel from heaven came and told you something different than is in the Bible, you shouldn't trust that either. What would you think? What would you think if it actually really happened? I don't think it's going to happen in our day and time. It has happened in times past. In Bible times, there were angels who appeared to men. I don't think it's happened any time recently. But what if it really did happen? What if a verified angel came and talked to you and told you something that was different than what was in the Bible? An angel came, a real confirmed appearance of an angel came and expressed to you that you were saved in a way different than what the Bible says. You don't have to be baptized. The angel says you don't have to be baptized for the remission of sins. What are you going to do with that? Well, I, I, I don't to tell you, that would produce some powerful emotions, wouldn't it? But even if that were the case, you know where I'm heading in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. If your feelings were even based upon an angel, you shouldn't trust those feelings. If I couldn't trust an angel to produce feelings, right feelings in my heart, then certainly I shouldn't be trusting my family or my preacher, without confirming that what is being said is true to the truth found in God's Word. So, again, what's the basis of your feeling? Preachers, family, people you know, what you always believed. Feelings can be deceived. Feelings can be wrong. But unfortunately, we keep hearing people say things like, I wouldn't trade my feelings for all the Bibles you could put in this room which is just absolutely the wrong thing to say. As we started out, I suggest to you, you wouldn't do that buying a used car. But you would do that with your soul? Really? 
No. We ought to say just the opposite. I wouldn't trade what I know is in the Word of God for all the subjective feelings I might experience. I wouldn't trade the Bible for my feelings because I'd be going the wrong way. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. And we hope that as we discuss this, we've said something that might encourage someone to think about your relationship with God. Have you been trusting your feelings? Maybe you've been trusting that you're okay with God, but you haven't really checked that out and compared your situation to what's taught in the Scriptures. It may be that you believe you are saved. Maybe you feel saved because you believe in God or that you have faith in Jesus Christ, but you've never obeyed the gospel. If you're trusting your feelings about that, we urge you don't make that mistake. The Bible plainly says what we must do to be saved. Hear the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, and be baptized for the remission of sins. And if you've not done that, that's the objective truth of the Word of God. Don't trust your feelings. Trust what the Word of God clearly says. If you're a Christian already, but you've done that which you should not have done, you've not been faithful to your Lord, my guess is you probably don't feel good about that. But you have determined to continue in that course. We urge you not to make that mistake either. Come back to the Lord in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.